I think this time of year is hilarious. How many of you actually not only do, but keep New Year's resolutions? I got one. Anybody else? Uh, the last few years, I haven't really done any because I find that after about 30 days, I'm like, the heck with it. I need chocolate. <laughs> you know? um, but this year, it's going to be a little different for me. And I, I think for all of us, we go through these things where we're, we're constantly uh, kind of working through New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you look back and just kind of reflect over what God's done in your life and some areas in your life that you feel like God is speaking to you in, in terms of just yielding to him further. Uh, I certainly pray that you would do that. I, I looked up, and it was kind of funny. Uh, this website, I don't know why Google took me to this, but it was uh, called Goliath.com. I have no idea what's on there, so please be careful. But it was funny that it was named Goliath, and they had the, the 10 top uh, list of, of New Year's resolutions, right? And uh, first of all, it was to improve relationships. <laughs> improve relationships. Secondly, it was spend less time on social media. Uh, and that's probably a good thing. Facebook is fake. Come on, let's get real. Volunteer more, right? Volunteer more uh, was an interesting one. Travel more was one that was uh, a New Year's resolution high on the list. Eat healthier. I think everybody could say that. Uh, at least I can. And um, so that's something we're going to work through. Be smarter with money. Uh, that's a good one. It's always good to reevaluate that and just to be reminded that God owns everything. Amen. And uh, I appreciate, uh, by the way, so much how you have responded this year in giving. We're grateful for that. And I would just encourage you to keep it up because uh, God's moving us forward in so many different ways. And watching the Lord at work here has been really remarkable. Uh, watching our shepherd shepherd has been really, really an experience of a lifetime, and I'm thankful for that. And I, I just uh, want to continue to encourage you. Uh, God is going to continue to use this church in many, many mighty ways, and there's so many things uh, that are taking place and forming and, and coming together that it's really exciting to watch. So thank you for uh, the way that you give. I am grateful for that. Drink less alcohol. Nobody here has that problem. Learn a new skill, right? Learn a new skill. Uh, for some of you, that may be Facebook. Um, quite, quit smoking. Uh, I don't know if that's really an issue, but evidently that's on the top two list. And then exercise more, exercise more, heaven's sakes. Uh, that's, and Chad's got it. So Chad, you do good. By, by the way, I was driving and I was coming down, what is it? Sp uh, not Spain, it was Juan Tabo, where it hits Eubank. And I was about to turn, uh, let's see, north onto Eubank off of Juan Tabo. You following me with this? And all of a sudden, a guy streaked past on one of these bikes where you're sitting down, and he's just motoring. And I about took him out. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't take him out. You understand what I'm saying? I, was, I, I looked and I went, wait a minute, that's Chad. That's Chad. And Chad was just, he, he exercises well. And uh, he can go on that bike and he can get moving. So good for you, bro. A um, lot of different thoughts, a lot of different things that we tend to look at in terms of the new year. Amen? I, I don't know about you, but this last year's, last couple years for our family has been an amazing thing. I look into this new year, and I don't know what it holds. Uh, I don't know what it holds for my dad. I do know that uh, all things being equal, this time next year, Jonathan will already have been through his first semester of college, which is indescribable to me. 
I was looking at pictures of him helping out in the kitchen from 011 and 012, and he was about that tall, you know? And so you, you, you look at these things. You kind of look at what God's done over a period of time, and then you look at the new year, and we don't hold things in our hands. We, we can plan. We can try to uh, figure it out all we want, but we recognize that God's sovereign. God's in control of it. Amen? And in the midst of that, we know that we have hope because we know that God is always in control, and we know that the Lord's always before us. And as a result, we can walk with him and trust him day by day, moment by moment, because anything that uh, ever happens has been filtered through his hands, and he has promised to bring good out of it. In the midst of that, I I just want to share with you a couple very simple thoughts, but I think they're profound in their simplicity. And and the first is about Christ. You know, the second is about community, and and the third is about our cause, our cause. Christ, community, cause. See, a lot of times what we do is we say that we're focusing in on Christ. We jump right over community to get to the cause, to the work, to the effort, to the results. And in the midst of that, we set all kinds of targets, we set all kinds of goals, we set all kinds of things that we say, well, this is what we're going to do. And then when we don't exactly hit the mark then what we do is we start turning on one another within the community because we're frustrated and angry and, you know, we we need to do better, whatever better looks like. And we forget that we're called into community where we're to love one another and to build one another up in love and that actually the cause comes out of the community because it's been established by Christ. Now, there's all kinds of ways that I could go with this, and there's all kinds of different aspects of it, but when we start talking about what God's doing and where he's leading, understand that there's always some fundamental, foundational uh, types of issues that are in place with that conversation. The first is that Christ is our leader. He's the one that leads us. And one of the things I'm learning in my life, and, and God's had to teach me this over and over and over again, and he's still, thank God, patient with me and gracious towards me, is, is that um, he doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe me an answer. Has anybody else struggled with that? It's kind of like, Lord, I've prayed and I've fasted. And, and I've put all kinds of time and effort into this, and I've, I've planned, and I've worked, and it's for your glory, and it's for your honor, and it's biblical, and it's foundational, and Lord, I deserve an answer from you. And the truth of the matter is, is the Lord is not beholding to us. So when we begin to put the cause as kind of the front moment, when we begin to put our goals and what we think we ought to be achieving as the mark, what we've ultimately done in many ways is we've put a box around God and told him what we expect him to do. And folks, that's a dangerous place to be because the Lord's the Lord. See, we really do believe in received ministry. I have nothing against goals. I have got many of them, (laughs) but they always ought to be held, released to the Lord. 
if the Lord calls us and leads us to have a particular goal, then let's trust the Lord through us to accomplish that. But that's not the primary. The primary is our focus on him and his leadership and loving one another because that's what he begins to do in and through us and then beginning to manifest himself through us in the midst of not only individually but corporately that love so that the the world begins to recognize that we've been with Jesus that we really do love Jesus because they see how we love one another and we're able to testify to that fact. And so the cause is something that comes out of the community, which is a direct result of our relationship with our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at the first part of this. Christ, our focus. He's our focus. See, our environment is to be Christ-led. You know, we've got this simple little analogy, Christ-led, elder-guarded, pastor-guided, body-engaged. And so we talk about an environment, we're not creating the environment, we're cultivating it. The Word of God is what creates the environment because the Word of God impacts each and every one of our hearts. And as we yield to Him and submit to Him and surrender to Him, as we learn to walk in obedience to Him, then God in and through us begins to form us, He begins to fit us into the body in the way that He wants, and He begins to produce unity, He begins to produce love, He begins to produce all the different aspects of what a healthy community actually ought to be in him. And as a result, he then begins to lead us in his ways with regard to his purposes. And as a result, he gets the glory. We can try to achieve it all day long. And crowds are easy to manipulate. That's the truth. I know that as a pastor, it's a constant pressure for me not to do. I'll tell you that. Because the reality of it is, we all want to see certain things. But in Christ, we've got to learn to walk with him and trust him and yield to him and obey him. And he, in his time, because he's the Lord, will accomplish his purpose and then he'll receive the glory for it. Christ is our focus. He's our leader. Our eyes are to be fixed on him. Fixed on him. Purposefully, intentionally, moment by moment, looking to the Lord. How do we do that? We get into the word of God and we begin to understand the thoughts of God and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we begin to think his thoughts and we begin to be sensitive to his leadership, his way in our lives. Christ does lead. The question is, are we willing to follow He's our shepherd. He gave us life. He serves us. He prays for us. He's constantly with us, strengthening us. Guarding us, growing us, protecting us, admonishing us. I mean, it's amazing what the Lord will do in our lives when we simply yield to him and submit to him and give to him what we cannot control in and of ourselves, what we cannot accomplish in and of ourselves, but we begin to trust him. We're persuaded that he is able in spite of our inability because the Holy Spirit within us begins to accomplish this. It all begins with the word of God. It begins with getting into the word and trusting God, being persuaded that regardless of what I see, regardless of all the noise, all the chatter, that Christ is my focus and he is who he is and therefore he's able to accomplish what he has promised to accomplish and he'll do it in his time and in his way and I can yield to that. I can yield to that. Matthew 23.10, it's 
interesting verse because contextually he says, don't call one another fathers because you have one father. And then he goes on, he says, don't be called leaders for one is your leader that is Christ. And so contextually, he's not saying that it's absolutely sinful to call one another leaders. What he's saying is that there is a primary father or that there's a primary leader and we look to him and him alone to lead and to guide and to direct. Christ is our leader. And folks, when we get our eyes off of Christ and we get our eyes onto circumstances or onto men or onto, onto other leaders, then we, we've lost sight of the reality that the shepherd of the church, the head of the body, is the one that leads us. And we can trust him as he will lead Colossians 1.18, he says he's also head of the body, the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in just a few things. No, in everything. <laughs> what do you think about that? In everything. That means in deacon's ministry. That means in K-group ministry. That means in shepherd group ministry or care group ministry, in life groups. It doesn't matter what we're talking about, that Christ is in first place in every arena of not only our lives, but also the activity of our lives. And that's for you personally. He's first place at work. He's first place in your finances. He's first place in your relationship. He's first place in your hopes and in your dreams and in all all that it is that God has for us, he is first. He takes priority. And that, folks, is challenging. Because the truth of the matter is when the rubber hits the road, we don't like that very much. Now, I know I think we get the Baptist frozen moment. When I say things like this, everybody goes, you don't want to move because if you acknowledge at all whatsoever, then it may be that you acknowledge that you're struggling with something, and heaven forbid that. But the truth of the matter is, folks, we all struggle with that. We, we often have to be reminded by the Holy Spirit to get back online, that our, we're so easily distracted from the reality and the intentionality and the causes and the purposes of Christ and his life, the sufficiency of who he is and what he's able to do. Because we love to take ownership of it. <laughs> we love to take a little bit of glory for ourselves, don't we? we? We want the credit. We love to tell people how much time we've spent in the word. We love to tell people that we really did wake up at five o'clock in the morning to have prayer and devotions this morning. Or we love to, we love to get that glory. And the truth is the Lord constantly has to remind us He's to be the first place in everything. Not only corporately, but individually. Not only within our families, but also the family of God. It's essential. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, he's obviously speaking generically. He's talking about ladies as well as men, but he's saying that we are to be led by the Spirit of God. We are to fix our eyes on Christ. You realize the Holy Spirit is always going to point us to Christ through the Word of God. Through the Word of God, he's always going to point us to Christ, period. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, but he will also lead us and guide us into the will that God has for us as well as the specificity 
of activity that he has for each and every one of us individually as well as corporately as a church body. What a blessing to understand that. He will always lead us by his word and his will and his way. He will always do that. Always do that. Are we trusting him? Are we yielding to him? Are we willing to follow? Are our eyes fixed on our shepherd? Our body, our church ought to be so fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ that people immediately, when they come in here, they sense the spirit of God. When they see you at work or when they see you at home or when they see you in the neighborhood, wherever it is, whatever you're doing, they recognize we have been with Jesus, period. And because of that, they begin to give glory not to us, but rather to the Lord Jesus Christ, who deserves that glory. Well, we follow by faith. And folks, that's a, that's a lifelong journey, isn't it? If you had asked me 20 years ago what it meant to walk by faith, I'm sure I could have given you chapter and verse, and I could have told you what the Greek words, and I could have given you all the entomology of that word, and I could have, but boy, I'll tell you what, 20 years later, I'm going, faith is something else, isn't it? Faith is the persuasion, the willingness to follow God, that God is able. Faith is trusting the Lord in spite of what I see, what I think. Faith is just keeping our eyes locked in on Christ and yielding to him and trusting him. And that's how we follow. We, we follow because we're persuaded that God is who he says he is and that he's able in spite of the fact uh, that we've got the Egyptian army behind us and there's no way to escape to the right because there's a canyon there. There's no way to escape to the left because there's a canyon there. And we're not sure how we're going to go forward because there's a Red Sea there. Faith is the willingness to say, stand still and watch the mighty hand of God. Stand still and watch what God can do because he's able to do far and above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. Faith is not just asking God to do it, but absolutely recognizing that whatever he chooses to do is good, even if he doesn't do what we think he ought to do. <laughs> I love Daniel Shadrach, or excuse me, Abednego, Shadrach, Abednego, and, and Meshach, Abednego, and Shadrach. Man, I got that dyslexic like all over the place, didn't I? <laughs> Anyway, I love their answer to the king. He said, the, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to your idol. Isn't that a profound moment of faith? We trust you, Lord, and it doesn't matter whether you come through in the way that we thought you ought to come through or not. We know you have the power to accomplish that, but if you choose not to, that's okay. We're good with it. Because we know that you're God, and you see all, you know all, and as a result, we can trust you in the midst of it, because you know best. I love that. We follow by faith. Romans 1, 17 through 18 says, In that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by what? By faith. The one who's walking with God in, in conformity to his standards with regard to activity is going to do so by faith. It's not by our New Year's resolutions. I'm going to. Now, I, I agree that there's moments for that. And I agree that there's times where we have to look at things and say, yes, Lord, this is what I believe you want us to be a part of. And there's certainly things within Scripture that have already been given to us to do. Love one another, right? 
proclaim the gospel. That's without say for every believer. But it's in Christ's strength and it's in his timing and it's in his power. See, faith is walking with him. Righteousness is that standard where we begin to conform to the, to the standards of his activity, his holiness, his purity, his goodness, his righteousness. But we recognize that it's Christ in us who accomplishes that through us. And so it's an inward work first that then has an outward expression. And so we walk by faith. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That word hearing is not just, you know, we turn on the radio and listen to somebody or we come to church and listen to somebody or, or we get into the word of God and let some, no, it is not only hearing, but it's also placing ourselves under what we're hearing. It is heeding. It is yielding to. Obedience first and foremost starts in the heart. And that is a work of God in us as he draws us to himself and invites us to join him in yielding our lives to him. Then he begins to produce his life in and through us. How does that take place? By the word of Christ. By the word of Christ. We get into the word of God. We begin to listen. We begin to yield and submit to what God's ways are. We begin to trust him with what he has said. And that's a work of the Spirit of God in and through us. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, must be per- persuaded that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who do what? Who seek him. Who's he writing to? He's writing to believers. True seekers are believers, folks, because we are being drawn by the Spirit of God to follow, to follow, to follow, to yield, <laughs> to walk by faith. Well, Christ is our leader, and not only do we follow him by faith, we, he also transforms us. Transforms us. Growth happens. Why? Is it automatic? No, I believe that it's not automatic. In some ways, it's automatic, because when we become believers in Jesus Christ, and we're new Christians, we're baby Christians, there are certain things that are going to take place automatically, because God has come to live within our lives. No question about that. How much we grow, how much we mature in the faith, in part is contingent upon whether or not we are willing to walk with the Lord and to yield to him. And as we do that, he transforms us. 2 Corinthians three seventeen through 18 says, The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So as, as we're beholding him, as we're looking at him, as we are uh, intently recognizing the reality of who he is and, and we are embracing that and saying yes to that and we're submitting to him in the midst of that, what is he doing? He's transforming us. He's metamorphosizing us. It starts from the inside out. He begins to work on our hearts and he begins to work on our thinking because as we believe, so we then begin to do And so he begins to change us from the very inside out, and that metamorphosizing takes place. Suddenly we begin to recognize Christ in us, and people begin to see God at work in our lives and then through our lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is one of 
My favorite passage is, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Meaning, at every opportunity, at every moment, present yourself, present yourself, present yourself, present yourself. When you're driving up Academy and somebody's going 10 miles an hour in front of you, present yourself. <laughs> right? When you're on Paseo and you suddenly see all the red lights stretched as far as you can see, present yourself. That's the point. No matter what it is, no matter what you're going through, present yourself. He says, makes, he makes it clear, your body's a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into the mold of this world, into the thinking of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that for this purpose, you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. What a beautiful truth. As we get into the word of God and as we continue to follow the Lord and Christ who is our leader, he not only leads us, he also begins to work in us to persuade us. We follow him by faith and he transforms us. Well, Christ obviously is our leader, but we're also called into a community, aren't we? We're called into community, and that community is the church. It's the body of Christ. It's the family of God. And there's several different ways that you can see how God, as he's the leader and as we yield to him, begins to work in and through us and will begin to be manifested, made visible through the community or the church. And the first is love. <laughs> love. My goodness. We love one another, right? We begin to embrace one another. Uh, one another. We begin to forgive one another, and all the different one another's begin to take place because love is the primary. The expression of God is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And all the different characteristics of that are part of what love looks like in the different environments and circumstances that we, we walk through. They're all connected because they're all from the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, But speaking the truth in love... We're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. How does the body grow? It loves one another. Why? Because Christ in us is producing his love through us. And the body begins to be built up, built up, matured, strengthened, vibrant, serving one another, putting the interests of others in front of our own. We begin to forgive one another when we walk in that forgiveness and we begin to embrace one another in the peculiarities that everybody has. <laughs> We're all normal until you get to know us, right? The title of a book, I haven't read it, but a hilarious title, right? Love, love begins to build up the body. We serve one another because that's what love does. Matthew 20, 25, Jesus called them to himself as disciples and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We serve one another. 
We serve one another. Why? Because it's an expression of love. We don't lord it over. We're not in this with our own agendas. We're not in this with our own personal uh, desires in terms of what we want to see. We're we're here to embrace and to serve. And God's the one that leads us and guides us in that because the Lord is love. And because the Lord through us begins to lead us in his righteousness. And part of that is serving one another. Oh, you go first. You go first. Well, we also follow. Matthew 10 is a challenging passage, and I can't wait to get there uh, (laughs) four years from now, whenever it is. Matthew 10, 38 and 39 says, He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Follow, follow, follow. That word follow literally means to stay in close proximity with the Lord. Stay in close proximity with the Lord. We have questions about the new year, questions about all kinds of different aspects of the human existence and human life and your own certain set of uh, circumstances. In the midst of it, stay close to the Lord. Stay in close proximity to the Lord. Look to the Lord first. What is God leading in? What is God guiding in? How does the Lord want to handle this? Lord, what do you want to bring glory to yourself through this circumstance? How are you going to do that? Stay close to the Lord. Follow, follow. See, when we say yes to the Lord and we recognize that he's our leader, we also recognize we've been called into the community, the body of Christ, and God in us and through us begins to love, and we are led to serve, and we are also uh, led to follow. We do it by faith, but we're led to follow. Follow the Lord. Where's God going? When he stops, we stop. When he moves, we move. When he invites, we respond and say, yes, Lord. When he's quiet, we continue to do the things that he's called us to do that we know that we're supposed to be about. And we're carefully watching and listening and being attentive to what it is that he has for us. Because he's the Lord and he will speak when he chooses to. And we need to learn just to yield to him and submit to him and recognize that he is the Lord. He's the head of the church. And as a result, we can trust him. That's what this is all about. Well, what's our cause? What's our cause? I would say there's all kinds of different ways to put this. We can certainly say our cause is to glorify the Lord, right? I think that's what we're created for, is to bring glory to God, that God through us would be revealed. No question. That's something God has to do in us. We don't wake up one day and say, <laughs> here's my top 10 list of how I'm going to glorify God. Well, you can try, but if you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit within you, I'm going to tell you something, you're going to come across like a pretty good Pharisee, Right? In the midst of it, God in us, through us. It's all by grace. It's by his life. But certainly in the midst of our day and our age, I think the Great Commission in so many ways is the activity that every believer ought to be a part of in one way, shape, or form to make disciples Matthew 28, 19 through 20, you know this well. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations as you're going. Not everybody's called to go to Uganda. Not everybody's called to go to Myanmar. Not everybody's called to go to Moldova, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Russia, wherever else. Not everybody's called to go to those places, but we are called right here. We got neighbors, we got friends, we got family, we got people that we work with all the time. We've got a harvest that is white right here. 
And the question is, are we following the Lord, yielding him in the calling that he has for us in the midst of the very culture that he has placed us into? I would suggest to you that there's not one person here this morning by accident. Not one. Not one. Not one. I don't care what your story is and how you got here this morning. You are not here by accident. And if you join Hoffmantown Church, if God leads you to do that, you are not a part of this body by accident at all. You don't live where you live by accident. You don't work where you work by accident. You may think that you came up with a plan for God in order to accomplish all these things. I can guarantee you one day when you look back and you recognize and see things from a heavenly perspective, perhaps from heaven, you're going to realize that God's the one that placed you there. God's the one that put you there. God's the one that led you to do the things that you did or he allowed you to go the direction you thought you should go in order for whatever purposes you had. But I will guarantee you that you will recognize God's sovereign hand in your life to bring you to the exact place and the exact time that you are in. No question about it. There are people all around us who need the Lord, folks. Now, we know that. We talk about that all the time. We've heard it for years, some. The question is, are we emphasizing Christ, eyes fixed on him, loving one another as a result of his life being revealed through us, and do we have a very careful eye on the Lord as to what he's calling us to do within this great commission cause that he has called us into? That's a challenge. We've come up with all kinds of ways why we don't think that we're supposed to actually be the ones that have to do that. Well, the professionals are supposed to take care of it. The pastors are supposed to take care of this. Huh. Pastors are supposed to equip the body in order to do the work of the ministry. And the body begins to build itself up in love. Now, how did that fit? See, all of us are called to proclaim, to help people recognize that we can be reconciled. The ministry of reconciliation. All of us are called to make disciples. And I would suggest to you that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are commanded commanded. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Now understand what I'm saying, because a lot of people take that and immediately begin to create their top 10 list of all the ways that they're now going to fulfill this. And I go, ah, you missed the point. If our activity is not walking in what God has called us to, commanded us to do, then we don't create a program in order to tell God how great we are. What we do is start looking at the heart. And we get right with God in the midst of it. And we say, somehow, evidently, I'm not walking according to your way, and therefore it's a heart issue. And Lord, we got to deal with the internal first so that the external begins to show forth the work that you're doing on the inside. Do you catch me? See, folks, if you don't have a burden for the lost, it's not a program issue. It's not a checklist issue. It's a heart issue. If you're not concerned about people that you're coming in contact with all the time, it's not a program issue. It's not a pastoral issue. It is a heart issue. And the question is, how are we yielding our hearts to the Lord? How are we being transformed so that through us, 
the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news, the hope that we have that now we have the opportunity of sharing with others. How are we doing that? How are we walking with God in the midst of that? The life of a believer should be a picture of God's love and transforming power to everybody. I've been amazed watching my kids grow up. You know, when they were this big, crawling around, they had diapers on. Man, they made some messes. Right? I literally remember the last day walking into the store where I did not have to buy more diapers. Profound moment. I've got it visualized in my mind. I looked at that aisle, and I went, that's it. Potty trained. We're done. Jonathan's not here today. He had fever last night, but he'd be sweating anyways. He'd be down on the ground right now, right? Folks, we grow. We mature. God begins to do work in us. It's a heart issue. We ought to be pictures of God's love and his transforming power, not only to one another, but also to the world. Look what God can do. Look what God's done in my life. Folks, if you knew me 25 years ago, I had an earring. I was wearing cut-off shorts. I know, I'm sorry. I was wearing cut-off shorts, walking around Mississippi State campus with a Ron John, uh, whatever, not a T-shirt, but one of the you know, spaghetti-strapped kind of moments, stupid thing. And then I was, I, I was a mess. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, all I knew was I liked baseball, and I was down there. And the, the more I ran, the better shape I got in. And so I thought, well, that's great, you know. Go down that path. I look at what God's done. Folks, it's not for my glory. It's what God can do. It's what God can do. And I know this. If God can do it with me, he can do it with anybody. He can do it with anybody. And I haven't arrived. Please don't hear that. I'm still becoming, I'm growing, and I'm learning. Folks, our lives ought to be a picture to people all around us about what God can do. Following the Great Commission in making disciples is not simply to deepen somebody in the faith, although that that clearly is a picture of it because the Lord says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. In other words, when they come to know Christ and they get saved, then there's a teaching moment. They, They have an opportunity to grow in Christ and to be disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to have a disciple to teach, there needs to be a disciple, which means there needs to be evangelism. We need to see people come to know Christ. We need to be available to the Lord in order to share our faith and share our testimony and share the hope of the gospel and the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ so that they can recognize there's more to this life. Present them Christ. Introduce them to the Lord so that they can be saved and then they can be taught and they can grow in Christ and then they too can become mature believers to where they are turning around sharing their faith and helping other people in their journey to come to know Christ and to grow in Christ. So making disciples is it's, it's about bringing someone to the cross as the Lord leads so that they can become a believer and it's also from the cross how to walk with God by faith. What does that look like? What does that mean? How do we do that? You get into the word of God and you begin to pour your life experience 
that has been sanctified into somebody's life so that they begin to learn to grow in Christ and to walk with the Lord. Equipping, when we talk about an equipping church, it's an environment where willing believers or disciples are deepened in their relationship with the Lord and in his word so as to be tooled or they would be equipped to be fitted properly to follow the Lord into the arena of the harvest that God has for each and every one of us. I like this definition of equipping. It's for pastors or elders to guard a word-oriented, Christ-centered environment for the fitting or the mending, the repairing, or the building up of each individual member, meaning each disciple of the body of Christ, to do his will. How do we do his will? We yield to him, and Christ begins to empower us to actually do it. I like Hebrews 13, 20. It says, The God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you, fit you, tool you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's not just about going to a class and learning how to do a certain pattern of behaviors. It's about going to a class and being immersed in the word of God so that you begin to understand that it is through Jesus Christ that we are equipped, fitted into the body so that we know that we're the hands or the feet or that we're the legs or we're the arms and we begin to follow God in the way that he orchestrates the body of Christ, to do his will in his power and in his strength. You know, interesting thought. Equipping isn't, it's not just to insulate. See, we we get this idea, well, if you've got a problem, take a class. Well, there may be good merit to that. Maybe you do need a class. Maybe you need some people to come along and you need some specificity of teaching from the word about a particular area in your life. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. But what I'm talking about is if we don't ever take what God's teaching us and begin to allow God to pour it out through us, then there's something wrong with what we're thinking. Because we don't just gather together in order to get puffed up. We gather together in order to focus on the Lord and to be equipped in Christ, to be strengthened by the Lord, to be refreshed in our understanding that God is sovereign, and then be willing to follow him in whatever it is that he chooses for us to do. So it's not just to insulate, but it's to launch. It is that we are equipped with the word of God and being transformed so that we become useful tools for the Lord to use within not only the body of Christ as we serve and love one another, but also within the community as we begin to proclaim his greatness and the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love Proverbs 11.30. I look at my dad and I, uh, I think of my dad in this. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. Wow, think about that. Man, it hits me hard. God through us can do mighty things, folks. God through us can do mighty things. He's our leader. He's called us into a community, the body of Christ, a group of believers that aren't here by accident, but are here together in order to say, Lord, what do you want? Where do you want to go? How do you want to lead? Lord, here's my life. Use it in whatever way you choose so that through us, his good news will be proclaimed into the community, into the harvest 
that as we're following him individually as well as corporately, we're learning to yield to him and listen to him, that wherever we are, no matter who we're with, no matter what it is, they begin to see the life of somebody who's being transformed by Christ Jesus himself. And I think in the midst of that, we'll then have the opportunity to give an account for the hope that's within us. Because people will look at our lives and they'll say something's different. And we don't go, oh, it's me. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the church I go to. Or, oh, it's the class that I attend. No, no, no. What we'll do is we'll say it's the Lord Jesus Christ, friend. Let me introduce you to my Lord, my shepherd, because he's able. What are your New Year's resolutions this year? Can I give you a few that I'd like you to pray through? First of all, how, how's your time with the Lord in word and prayer? How's your time with the Lord in, word, in the word and in prayer? Boy, you, you can't replace that with anything. It's so easy in our world to get distracted, amen? Do we not agree with that? If, if I asked you, do you feel like you prayed enough this last year, how many of you would say absolutely 100%? Mm. All of us can grow in that, can't we? Can we be intentional about that? Can we be specific about that? Can we say, Lord, we wanna spend more time with you in the word so that our minds are renewed, but we also wanna be in prayer more. Not only individually, but maybe as a family, certainly as the family of God. We wanna be in prayer more so that we're hearing from you, we're listening to you, our thoughts are focused on you. Would you pray through that? Would you be willing to consider that? I would suggest another one is to fellowship with one another. Fellowship with one another. And when I say fellowship, boy, y'all have blessed me. I mean, somebody gave me a four-pound bar of chocolate. Are you kidding me? I'm serious. It was four pounds. When I picked it up, I thought it was a plaque. I was like, what is this thing, you know? Four pounds, heaven's sakes. I'm not talking about just food. Right? That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Amen. Potlucks are great. I'm talking about fellowship with one another in the word and in prayer. Fellowship with one another in the word and in prayer. Get out of our comfort zones a little bit. It's easy to have the group that we're used to. It's easy to be familiar. But what about as we fellowship with one another? Third thing, how are we proclaiming God's truth? How are we proclaiming God's truth? Are we willing to get out of our comfort zone and not just ask somebody if we can pray for them? That's great, amen, do that. But ask them if they understand the gospel. Ask them if they know the Lord. Ask them if they have hope. Ask them, have they ever believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do they know for sure what their eternity holds? How can we spend more time with the Lord and the word and in prayer, how can we fellowship with one another in that biblical sense? How are we proclaiming God's truth and are willing to do so, willing to do so? Let God lead in it, but we're willing to do so.